Hello, welcome back to another episode of Crowd Workcast. My name is Andrew Barnett. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, this week, I've done something a little bit different. I say joining me, but uh, this week I wasn't actually able to uh, to host the show. I wasn't available to host the show. Um, so luckily for me, I had uh, my good mate, Mr. Matty B, step in and do a bit of guest hosting for me. He did the crowd working this week. Um, so yeah, you'll hear that coming up very, very soon. Uh, a big thank you to Matty B. You guys might remember him from episode 12 of the show. Uh, big thank you to Matty for stepping in. So it's a great episode and uh, we won't mess around and we'll get to it very shortly. But before we get to it, I actually need to do a little bit of uh, shameless self-promotion because uh, Sydney Comedy Festival is coming up in May. And uh, yeah, I have a show uh, in this year's Sydney Comedy Festival. I'll be uh, be doing uh, five nights. I'll be doing my new show called Wise Man. And uh, I'll be performing at the Enmore Laneway at the Enmore Theatre between the 17th and the 21st of May, uh, which is, I believe, a Wednesday to a Saturday, a Sunday. And uh, it'll be on at 7.30 each night uh, up until the, uh, from the Wednesday to the Saturday. And then the Sunday is a 6.30 show. Um, So if you enjoy this podcast, if you've uh, ever seen me do comedy, even if you haven't seen me do comedy, I'd love uh, if you could get along and um and uh join me and, and enjoy the show uh it's i'm uh, i'm pretty uh pretty happy with how it's coming along to be honest so uh hopefully it's going to be a great show and uh yeah i'd love if you could make it along uh you can get tickets at sydneycomedyfest.com.au or uh i'll put a link up on my website and quite possibly on the uh episode information uh for this very episode uh but yeah that's probably enough of the selfless uh, the shameless, I should say, selfless, nothing selfless about that. That was entirely selfish. Uh, yeah, enough of the promotion. Let's just um, maybe get on with the show, eh? So uh, here it is. This is episode 22 with your guest host, Mr. Matty B. G'day and welcome to the Crowdwork Podcast. Uh, I'm here today uh, filling in for Mr. Andrew Barnett. He's uh, he's not available to host the show today, so I'm Matty B. I'm going to be playing the role of Andrew Barnett on this episode of the Crowdwork Podcast. I have a very special guest with me. Uh, g'day, mate. What's your name? Uh, my, my name's Andrew. What's your uh, What's your last name, mate? A- it's, it's Barnett. Andrew Barnett. Andrew Barnett. Yeah. Fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. I used to have a podcast like this, actually. Oh, did you really? Yeah. yeah it was all right. Fantastic. It went all right. And uh, what, are you, what are you up to today, mate? What, are you, what brings you to, to here? To here, to the Pacific Highway somewhere between uh, what are we, Port Macquarie and uh, Sydney. For the, uh, for the listeners at home, uh, we've just pulled out of the big rock at uh, Karua. We're on the way home from Port Macquarie and decided to... Uh, record a bit of a podcast for you guys and um yeah the the big rock it was everything that i'd hoped it would be well it's um even a little more plastic than you'd hope it to be too <laughs> beautiful fiberglass uh structure it's would it be fair to say it's seen better days you reckon i've th- well look it's you, you you don't know for sure because who knows what the standard was when it was built but it definitely looks as though it's more of a big piece of polystyrene than yeah. a big rock these days. There's some very noticeable polystyrene in that thing. Is it, there's not as much moss on the real one as there is. Like <laughs> it, it's a basically a poly... Uh, it's like a fiberglass uh, version, miniaturised version of Ayers Rock. And uh, there's quite a bit of uh, moss and discolouring going on. It's amazing. Looks I like know. you could do with a clean and a coat of paint. I just had one of the uh, one of the most lovely cups of warm milk that I've ever yeah. had in my life. I, it was meant to be a latte, uh, <laughs> but I, I really did. It's made me feel a bit snoozy, <laughs> to be honest. Yeah, it'd be a perfect thing if you were having nightmares and just needed to get back to sleep. But uh, yeah, I don't think it's great uh, for when you're driving. It but hasn't. It's um. It. I mean, I think it's it's a quintessentially Australian thing in that it is immensely shit house. Oh, yes. But amazing at the same time. So uh, I guess that feels uh, feels everyone in on uh, on the situation at hand here. Where no, uh, no, you missed one important uh, one important feature 
at the rock that you uh, took a photo of. Oh, I totally did. <laughs> that we can't go on without commenting on. Oh my goodness, that was really genuine 1960s racism, wasn't it? It was. Uh, you want to tell everyone what what you took a picture Imagine, of? Imagine, um, so think of like the little stands that they used to be in some of those like truck stops and things like that. Yeah. But this stand not only specialised in but sold exclusively like handmade stuffed gollywogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's... Uh, in fairness, there was also a... Uh, looked like a handmade uh, vest, child's vest. Oh, okay. With pictures of... Uh, Gollywog character, <laughs> I suppose, um, doing things like driving cars, uh, big red cars, very happy, uh, a lot of very white teeth. Oh my goodness, it was amazing. And uh, the thing that I found particularly amazing was I think we were the only two people in there who were kind of aghast at, at yeah. how terrible it was. No one else was even batting an eyelid. Like, it's, uh, yeah, it was. It's. I felt like we stepped back in time. When you step into the rock, there is something... Um, I mean, you don't go far, as far back as the dreaming. Um, <laughs> it's not quite that no, far. More the nightmare part of history. Yeah, was, I mean, it was It was proper 80s, wasn't it? It oh, was... Yeah. It well, was, you know that used to be... That used to be Leyland Brothers World. Well, I went to, uh, I went to one of my uh, high school camps oh, at the rock. Really? I learned how to do archery. Out the back of the rock. Wow, that's uh, that's yeah. Well, that's where young men come of age, isn't it? Oh, uh, it was it was when I re- it was when I really, I guess it was the first stirring of my sexual awakening. Oh, really? Not <laughs> been, been able to get one away unless you <laughs> see a big fiberglass uh, <laughs> rock. Or is it just like rocks that get you away, or can you like if you're at the big pineapple, do you reckon you'd be? Nah, no. Nah, it's definitely it has to anything with fading paint. And unhappy children. <laughs> Explains your penchant for truck stops. Uh, that was two out the front. That world, the, the world's scariest looking children's playground. Oh just, man, that was genius, wasn't it? It just looked dirty. And it also looked like there was a couple of children who were like looking at it. And I like normally kids to a playground, it just bees to honey. Yeah. Even kids had the sensibility to. No, I'm not playing yeah. in that playground. That is fucked up. That if I go in there, then there's going to be a time in my adulthood when I'm going to lie on a couch and recount this story to a to a paid professional. Oh, mate, can you imagine what it must be like for like the one Darrow child whose dad is like, "No, get in there, get in there, mate." And go on, we stopped. Get the energy <laughs> out of you. Got a long drive. We're not stopping again until we get to you know. I don't know where where would they're next, heading south. I don't know ne- where the next hell stop going. would be the. Uh, I would say if you're on the family trip, the next stop you're not going to get a rest until maybe the dual servos on the on the F three on the F three or now the M one. Or that yeah, well you know if you want to get lardy dar about yeah. it, mate. Hey mate, us traditionalists know it. Some of us, some of us still remember the days of the old schoolyard, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, uh, wow. the F one. Good Cat Stevens song. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Nice. <laughs> so, so guys, now that uh, we've, uh, we're currently driving over the river at Karua, uh, we've got a little bit of context for you. Um, I've been on the Crowdwork podcast before, so what we've decided to do is that I'm going to be Andrew Barnett for this episode, and he has to, because, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's dug, the, dug, uh, dug up a bit of shit on a, a few comedians around Sydney, got them to say a few things that they maybe regret. Oh come on! In his uh, in his podcast, he's very good. He's he's got a certain way of doing interviews where you find yourself saying things and like, oh, I haven't told anyone that before. You're going to try and get me to admit I bought two gollywogs. <laughs> 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 well, it was a good deal, mate. It was a good deal. <laughs> Just I'm, uh, even the name Gollywog it doesn't even sound good anymore. No, it's just amazingly <laughs> horrendous. So um. What do you, uh, let's, let's get into this, mate. What do you, what do, you do for a living? Uh, mate, I am a comedian and podcaster. Oh, I really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. And, and stay-at-home dad and, um, yeah. Excellent. Odds and ends sort of a dude. Excellent. And uh, how, old are you, how old are your kids, mate? Mate, my boys are six and eight at the moment. Six um, and eight. So what, that's youngest one in school yet? Yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's actually in year one 
now, mate. He's a big uh, year one kid. He's yeah, taking right. it very seriously. Has he made he made it through kindergarten okay then? Yeah, he did. He uh, he got through uh, got through all right. He was um, he yeah he's he had a few issues to with uh, health wise early on and um, wasn't there like for kindergarten for most of kindergarten it was only four days a week and now uh, sort of term <laughs> towards the end of term four he was going five days a week last year. Yep. And now he is kicking goals uh, just five days a week, loving it, and, uh, yeah, really sinking his teeth in. Yep, good on him. The schooling. So Excellent. It's been good. And uh, so you've got uh, the, the two boys. Yep. Two boys. And uh, any plans for, for any more? Have you shut up shop? No, nah, mate, shop. Shop is literally shut. Have you I, snipped? Man, have, you, have you snipped? No, I haven't. I, that came up actually because I, I um, I'm 35, right? right? And we knew pretty much after, after our youngest bloke was born that we were that we that the plan was always for two, um, and uh, so I remember um, Nat talking to the doctor, the obstetrician after, after uh, after Ted was born, and saying, you know, well. Look, you know, we're not planning on having any more kids, you know, and uh, she she was keen for me to go get the snip. And so at the time, what was that? That's six years ago. So at the time I was 29. Yeah. And um, the doctor just said, oh, no, there's no doctor or go anywhere near him at that age. Oh, really? Yeah. That, he said, no, nah, he said, you'll be hard pressed to find a doctor. He said, at least around this area where he was, that'll uh, that'll do it because he said it's, it's one of those things that while it is reversible, you know, it's... Lots of there's lots of uh, room for error with that sort of stuff. So um, he said, "There's too many, too many guys." Like he said, "I don't want to cast aspersions over your marriage, but you know what I mean." Like you, he's 29, you know, a lot of marriages break down and then things go wrong. Things go wrong, and then suddenly all of a you are you are find yourself shacked up with a 22 year old, yeah, and she's keen for some of some of the good stuff off me, and uh, not some of the some of that sweet sweet Barnett funk. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's potent gear, just quite. <laughs> <like>. <laughs> um, but um, and so yeah, he wouldn't do it, and then so that sort of just got put on the back burner and has never become an issue again. And uh, I'm not big on raising it, to be honest. Yeah, rightio. Well, well I, I get no objection to to doing it. Um, I don't know. Um, it's it's one of those things where like you do hear about uh, people getting the snip, but it's not something that you sort of bring up just at dinner party or backstage at a gig, just going, "Oh yeah, fellas, I've got the snip." I wonder how many people I know actually have the snip. But haven't sort of told me about it, you know. Yeah, it'd be interesting to find out because occasionally, like with a few, um, I know a few guys who've who've had it, and it's in similar situations to to me where they, you know, they're, it's quite obvious that you're done. Um, but no one brings it up because it was a good story. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like apparently ninety ninety percent of the time, very it's almost painless. People, but guys get over it very quickly. It's not a big deal. But then there are the guys that don't uh, doesn't go as well with. Rightio. And so, what are some of the complications that arise from the snip? I don't know. Just a lot of pain, I believe, and incredible swelling if it goes wrong. Yeah, so well, it's guys laid up for the weekend with ice. I don't on the even tackle. understand the. Um, I, I mean, I, I get a vague sense of you know they they. They just disconnect your plumbing. Yeah, basically they put you in neutral. <laughs> I mean, you can, yeah, you can still you rev. You can still rev the engine. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Don't go anywhere. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, so that that hasn't come up, and I'm just like, like yeah, like I said, well, I've got no real objection to to getting getting it all done at some point. Just the 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 potential for part, like just having someone mess around down there. Yeah. It's not a... Well, hang on. Uh, I haven't had to come across it yet. I'm uh, 32 and I'm yet, to, I'm, yet to, I'm yet to go rub a glove. Have you had to rub a glove yet? Are you at that time in life? How old is it before a doctor has to go back door? I think that's 40. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. I haven't had to... Yeah, no. No one's, uh, no one's creeping around back there <laughs> um, for me at this point. But, but, you know, it's nice to have something to look forward to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know, like, for all that stuff... I know that it's um, perfectly normal and that for the doctor it's like, yeah, this is, seen one, seen them all sort of thing. But I am incredibly self-conscious at the best of times. I just, that the thought of roll yourself up in a ball and I'm a big guy, so I don't roll up in a ball that well. Like yeah. I've been in quite a few doctor's surgeries and looking at that little thin bed, I mean, 
they're going to need some overflow area for a guy. I, I can't. I'm not that flexible. My <laughs> hamstrings are going up. Oh, tuck your knees up to your chest. <laughs> yeah, here we go, champ. Yeah, it'll oh, be no. it'll be interesting reaching that point in life because, like, I assume it's like anything else. First time you do it, bit confronting, but I'm sure you could just get to the point where, like, you'd get to the point where just you know you just let any asshole put their finger up the backside because it's just stopped being scary anymore, you know? Yeah, it's funny because I think that is you get desensitized like anything you get desensitized. So I think like I remember. Like I lived with my um, my grandparents when my uh, grandfather was sort of. Oh, know, this this could be old. a really horrible story. <laughs> no, but he just um, he got like so. He, my grandfather had dementia, and um, you know he was he was pretty good, but you know my nan worked pretty hard looking after him. Right. But it got to the point where he's he'd have such regular um, medical stuff that it just it didn't it all became non like it all became sort of fairly uh, a non-issue. I remember at one point he'd, he'd been having to, he'd had some issue where he'd had to pee, he'd been in hospital and had to pee in jugs and measure things. And so then when he got home, for some reason, he just, he, he took to peeing in jugs. Like <laughs> peeing in a, so I remember walking in. Where's this been all my life? What, what are you, what's going on? He's, oh, I'm, I'm doing a whittle. And I was like, oh, okay, that's uh, odd. And then, my grandmother would explain it. Oh, you know, he'd just been out. He got in a routine and, you know, he's like, okay. I think that, I think they still had to, she had to do a bit of monitoring of what was going on but or something. So she just had him peeing in jugs. It was just easier to do it all the time rather than trying to get him to change his routine. And There's also that. something about grandfathers where, like, they obviously reach a point where they just stop giving a shit. Like, yes. I remember my grandfather, like, one of the lasting images of my grandfather is him sitting... Massive man spread wearing footy shorts and no underwear and me trying to have a conversation with him and not look at his left testicle. Yeah. And it was just there. Just make eye contact with the right one. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, try not to glance across. Oh, mate. And, and he knew it was there. He just didn't give a fuck anyways. Yeah. Oh, mate. All you got to do is go to any, like, um, go to the, say, in Newcastle, the Merriweather uh, outdoor baths and go into the change rooms there, any swimming pool that old blokes frequent. Yeah. And just you'll realise how, how little fucks they give. Yeah. Because yeah. it's nothing but testicles <laughs> swinging in the wind. <laughs> just some saggy, saggy ball sacks yeah. too. They're like... I'm looking r- forward to that. Be <laughs> able to really, really do some damage with them. <laughs> oh, Fantastic. Fantastic. So you're talking about uh, you're talking about your family and stuff like that. Whereabouts did you grow up, mate? Mate, I grew up. Uh, well, we we moved around a little bit. Um, in that we, well, I was born when I was born. We my folks lived out in Falkenbridge in the Blue Mountains. Yep. And then when I was about two and a half, we moved to Norfolk Island and lived over there for three years. I didn't know that about you. You yeah. lived in Norfolk. Norfolk Island three years. It was. How um, old were you then? Ah, oh, so like just before I I left, we left Norfolk and I started school just right. Oh, so you're so I was only a youngster, but yeah, but young enough to like literally. Um, my mum openly admits she gave up housework or what doing anything really, um, and we spent a lot of time on the beach just as kids, just mucking around and yeah, you know, having a great time. What a, like literally like an island that was it was like a little playground for us before before we started school it was great um very free range way of living and uh yeah and then we moved to uh when we moved back to the mainland as we call it uh we moved to a place called Corowa, which is down on the victorian border uh new south wales victorian border near uh sort of west of albury right so is that on the coast as well God no, that is uh, on so the, you went the Mighty Murray River, my friend. You went from uh, island in the Pacific to bumfuck nowhere. Yeah, in, I remember in the middle of a desert continent. You, you ever, you know, you get those just memories from being young, not some memories like very vague, and others are quite clear. I, I distinctly remember wondering what the beach at Coral was going to be like um, <laughs> when we moved from Norway because I just lived like uh, that was all I knew so I just figured yep. everywhere had a beach and uh, I was like you know that's where we spent a lot of time and I was like I wonder what the beach at Coral was going to be like and uh, when you when you came when you arrived there in Coral can you remember the f- sensation of crushing disappointment is it something that lingers with you to this day or no it was it was a weird um, 
like adjustment period but it was weird too because we lived there we lived out of town for the first bit we're just out of town near the airport and we lived on like 10 acres and it was so it was it was a completely different style of place and adventure there yep. and then um yes i suppose you would still have that same sense of the outdoors and like relative isolation though yeah and then there was a big river there which was cool but not that you'd ever we ever especially when we were little ever really swam in the river because quite um could be quite dangerous for you know little kids yeah swimming in just with you know currents and all sorts of like it wasn't wasn't exactly the clearest of waters no i've been i've seen the murray river it is dank yeah it's it's nice it's a beautiful river but it's yeah it's not not a whole lot of visibility to the bottom if you're uh if you get dragged under by something or get caught on something so it's um it's a nice part of the world but it's uh yeah it was very different to the uh the crystal blue waters of Norfolk Island. <laughs> Let me tell. You. I remember too because I remember we used to go, like Dad would take us fishing a bit, and Dad was in a fishing club on Norfolk Island. So I assume my dad loved fishing. Um, turns out there's not heaps else to do on Norfolk Island. <laughs> right. And but also the type of fishing you do on Norfolk Island, it is literally like Dad explained it to me. Like he said, it was pretty much the fish lined up to get on the hook. Right. Like so it was such good fishing that you weren't really spending hours doing nothing you were you were dragging fish in and you know having a good time and um <coughs> and so yeah i figured dad was into fishing we went to the went down to Korowa and i think we went fishing once or twice in the river and that was only after us hassling him for a lot and we never caught anything um although i think the main thing you could catch at that time was carp like even the mighty the murray cod that you know is Know, the folklore, yeah, the folklore. There weren't a whole lot of them uh, kicking around in Coral at the time, but uh, I believe things are a bit better down there now, like in the river, with um, in terms of just yeah, wildlife, etc. But yeah, at that point, there wasn't so a whole lot of fishing to be done. Now I know uh, you spent a bit of time out sort of Wagga Way. When when did you wind up out that way? No, well, this is Coral is not that far from Wagga, so okay, when right. you're out, well, it's two hours. But um, no, that's relatively that's next door. Yeah, in country New South Wales. Exactly. So we we were part of the like it's all part of the Riverina. So for different sports and stuff like we went to you bloody Riverina boys. You were good, good, good yeah. footballers. AFL, great AFL. Um, good AFL, good hockey players, good cricketers. Yes. Yeah. It's it's Riverina. a very uh, very sporting area, the Riverina, and uh, it was it was really good actually. I used to play hockey with. Like some boys who were from, uh, like, played for Wagga or Riverina in the school system. Yeah. And um, I was, it was just amazing because they'd play, um, they'd play state level hockey. Then they'd also been, like, their age group for state cricket. They'd also be handy tennis players. Like, just anything yeah. with a ball and a bat, they're they were we, great at. They were what we call assholes, mate. Yeah, um, mate. Just nightmare blokes who were just good at everything. Yeah, they really were. I always wanted to be one of those guys. I was one of those guys who was all right at a few things, but never, like, it was never, like, I could sort of get by and, you know, be the be the worst guy in a decent side yep. with some of those guys. Um, and then, then you know, but then never the, never like that, that sort of thing. But there's... There's a bit of um, a bit of history though. Michael Slater is a Wagga boy, and yep. um, he he was a, He's a very good hockey player, wasn't great he? Great hockey player, great uh, cricketer. But that's um, I think too the the I remember talking to um, uh, Brian Barnes, who was uh, a when I was playing hockey at St George, he was uh, an old St George guy who uh, played hockey and cricket for St George and uh, also played hockey and cricket for a little-known place called Australia. Oh, okay. Yeah, wow. that's right, Australia. Like, that was... He took a year off test cricket so he could play... Uh, so he could concentrate on hockey so he could play in the Melbourne Olympics. Yeah, um, wow. Just one of those dudes. Yeah, good um, on him. But he was... Good a, on he I was bet he'd be fucking interesting to talk to, wouldn't he? Oh, he was a great guy, man. He was such an interesting guy. And um, he... Um, but he was uh, saying he put a lot of um, the uh, the stroke play, good batsmen, guys with good wrists, um, were often good hockey players as well. Oh, you can. I don't see. know if that's coming through, but you can. We're on the, uh, the we're just coming in, trips now. Coming into the uh, roundabout here at uh, Raymond Terrace, and uh, well, yeah, they don't trust you to see a roundabout in no. these parts. They've got to rattle the road a bit for you, like a painted cattle grid to try and get you to slow down. For about that was a good. 100 metres worth of cattle grid as well. Yeah. 
But yeah, Brian Vance, he put it down to he said the um the the hockey because it forces you you know you had a lot of uh, wrist strength. Yep. Um, then he uh, he he put that down to a lot of guys with good hands, good cricketers, good batsmen with good hands. Um, was down to their uh, down to their ability to play hockey. Well, so we used to uh, one of the when we were uh, when we used to go out and do training camps and stuff. One of the best games that we used to play was to play cricket with a uh, with a hockey stick. And yeah. there is Fun. nothing uh, more humiliating than getting smacked back over your head for six by a dude with a hockey stick. <laughs> yeah. When you're getting middled by a dude with a hockey stick, you start realizing that some of these dudes are pretty handy at this game. You know. Yeah. Yeah, they can. Um, yeah, it's, it's some of those guys. The guys that have got that real hand-eye coordination thing down, it's phenomenal watching them. Like, you just yeah, this it's so annoying because you just go, oh, this guy doesn't really. It was always annoying to me the guy that you know goes, oh, I don't really play much cricket or whatever, and then they didn't play serious on the weekend. Then you'd have that game and you'd go, oh man, I actually train and you're way better than me. Yeah, like it's yeah, frustrating. Imagine what it must be like to be, like, say, uh, the guy who I always think of in circumstances like this is, like, A.B. de Villiers, the South African cricketer. Just an all-round unit of sport. He played super high-level tennis, super high-level rugby, end up being one of the best batsmen in the world, or one of the best batsmen of his generation, at least, in both one-day and test-match cricket. Just how good at everything must this dude be? Oh, that's what I always I love that when they um you hear people talk about oh yeah no it was tough for him because he had to choose between uh, playing hockey and cricket and really choose you know he could have played either for Australia and he had to choose and must have been a tough decision. Oh, but yeah, you know man. what's even tougher? Not getting the opportunity. Yeah, to <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, choosing between whether I'm going to play third grade for one club or. Yeah, Maybe exactly. sneak into the seconds at another. Exactly. Like, oh, I could play seconds in a team that's not going to win in a game all year, or I could play thirds in a team that might yep. win a few. Like, yeah. No, it's, uh, it, yeah. Oh, man. I've, I've, I've no sympathy. I, I, that's why, because I think the most starstruck I've ever been at a gig, like you and I have, you know, you, you meet some great comedians that you've worked with and guys that are, you know, you've genuinely excited to to work with but the most starstruck i've ever been at uh you were genuinely starstruck i know what you're about to say and i remember it you were genuinely starstruck was when you and i met dale stain at the south african fast bowler dale stain so the only time that i've seen barno actually get rattled before a spot because we he came up the stairs dale stain came up the stairs barno just sort of elbowed me in the ribs and was like man that looks like so much like Dale Stain, and I distinctly remember saying, "Nah, man, he's not tall enough." Yeah, that's what I thought too. And then we looked at, we actually looked it up on Google how tall Dale Stain is, <laughs> and we're like, "Oh we're no, that's sad." <laughs> and we were like, "No, that's about right." And we ended up having a chat with him. Lovely dude, by the way. Yeah, I, but I still distinctly remember you because he. You was sort of getting some water at the bar right next to us. And you just went, excuse me, mate. Are you Dale Stain? <laughs> the beautiful, polite answer is, yes, I am, actually. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was a good night, wasn't it? That was a great night. You uh, sucked in the opening the show because you were, you'd, you'd obviously, yeah, you'd, you, um, yeah, that was not your best work. No, it was, it was, I was genuinely like, and all I could think was, oh man, I'm sucking in front of Dale Stane. <laughs> <laughs> I was lucky. I actually don't think I was even on that night. I might've just been there hanging out, I think, because yeah, I don't I think don't I did a spot. I don't know. I can't remember. I was, it was all a bit of a blur. I do remember you and I cornering him after the gig and uh, talking cricket for a good, probably 25 minutes to half an hour with him yeah. while his girlfriend just sat on her own. And <laughs> I so remember that. Yeah. For anyone who knows um, sports sportsmen and the uh, the type of girls they tend to hang around, uh, she was an incredibly attractive woman. And all I could think um, afterwards was like she probably spent a whole life up to the point she was going out with Dale Stane. Whenever she was in a pub, guys were falling all over themselves to talk to her. And now she's with Dale Stane. Guys ignore her to talk <laughs> to, to, to Dale talk to, to talk to her boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. We you and I couldn't have given a shit she was there, but. Uh, yeah, it would have been, It must be the weird culture shock for a girl like that. Absolutely, that was a good night, though. So you grew up uh, down Riverina Way. What uh, what was it that brought you into the big smoke? How did you end up living in Sydney? Uh, so we moved to Newcastle when I was uh, 
was it, 16, we finished uh, year t- end of year 10. Dad moved us up to Newcastle. They got a um, got a job up there. He's uh, my old man's like a, a school teacher. He was the, down there. He, he finished up. He was the um, principal of a central school. Right. And he he took like a transfer. We had to go back to be basically just back to being a deputy principal. Uh, to get to Newcastle and then... Um, yeah, What's so what uh, school was he teaching at in Newcastle? Uh, he was deputy first at Swansea High. Okay. And uh, then Katara. Okay. Yeah, so... He, he worked his way up. And he finished He finished up, he retired last year, he finished up as the principal at Katara um, before he finished. So he was, um, yeah, he was pretty uh, pretty happy with it. Um, and then, so yeah, we moved to Newcastle then and I just sort of kicked around and ended up moving to, moving to Sydney just sort of chasing sort of work and you know, doing whatever and did you have the same thing because i grew up in uh Cessnock in newcastle as well i'm a yep. few years younger than you so we kind of oh let's not get carried away a few years younger <laughs> three okay. two and a half maybe two and a half yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. probably tell you in days <laughs> <laughs> um did you have the same thing happen because what happened for for people my age was uh, there was there was two mass exoduses from Newcastle? There was the post high school exodus and then the post university exodus. Which one did you do it in? Which which wave did you get sucked out from? I was sort of post high school in that I um, I started uni at um, Newcastle Uni and uh, I did a good nine months and then uh, and uh, realised that um, look. Not every kid in the arts degree is going to get a job at the end. And yep. there's a lot of us. And I just went, you know what, I'm going to go out and have a look around. And yeah, so I, I left I left then. And I had a few mates that did the did the same thing. It's weird. A lot of my Newcastle mates um, that left, uh, a lot of them are back living in Newcastle now. Well, it's, we're at that stage of life now where uh, everyone who moved to... We basically lost a lot of people to Sydney, a lot of people to Melbourne. And now it's like there's some some man standing on a hill with a big trumpet saying Newcastle Unite yeah. because <laughs> everyone's moving back but now that they want a reasonably priced house and to raise their children, you know? Yeah, it, and it is. It's great. Newcastle's great for that. It's just a shame. Like, it's not really, if for comedy, it's not really big enough to, to support you... No, nah, that's why I got sucked into Sydney. Yeah, and you're, you, you're not a... Um, you wouldn't be what I call a natural Sydney fit either. Like, I feel like you need regular breaks from Sydney. Oh, no. Sid- Sydney and I have a, a very... We're like, um, sort of like a... It's like a relationship with a narcissist, you know? In that there's moments where it's really great. But then yeah, all of a sudden it starts yelling at you for no reason. Bit of codependency. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, yeah, no, Sydney and I... Um, Sydney is a great city. Uh, it does have a lot of amazing things going on, but there are definitely moments where I fucking get over it. It's it, you just yeah. reach saturation point, you know. Well, I think you you're a guy too who likes a bit of, and I I feel I'm a bit similar in that just like a bit of peace and quiet every now and then. Yeah, some wide open spaces don't go yeah. astray. Just to just to wander around and uh, just just be the only one around somewhere or yeah well i've definitely get to the point where like in sydney i find myself i don't know i'll be on a train or at a uh pedestrian intersection and I've, I've i know that it's time to have a little break from sydney when i just start wanting to punch the people it's <laughs> it's not like it's not a specific person just i would really love to just backhand yeah. all of them collectively yeah, it's 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 not them. It's what they represent. Yeah, exactly. It's nothing personal. It's just you you're being one of the humans, and I'm over you, cunts. Yeah, <laughs> there, there is. Uh, just remind me to put the explicit uh, <laughs> tag on this. Sorry, mate. I'm dragging down the. Uh, no, no, no. It's all right. I, I I got brought to my attention by a mate recently, um, who. Uh, I'd uh, I'd put an explicit one on. He goes, "Yeah, you probably didn't need it on that one." And then one of the ones I hadn't uh, ticked the explicit thing for was Luke Heggie. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, he doesn't mind a C bomb. Uh, <laughs> so I have to go back in and fix that. But uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, I, I I quite like Sydney though. Like I, I'm 
a little further out than you are, so I think you know I'm more out in suburbia where. And you've got the river at your place as well. You've got a bit yeah. of natural kind of beauty. I'm uh, and a few I'm big parks where you can just wander around with the dog, like. Yeah. Whereas I'm in the I'm in the inner west, so I have a lot of convenience, but I also have a lot of needing to just yeah start start hating on the people. Yeah, well, there too, there's like the inner west is an interesting mix of people too. Like it, it is, and that in some ways makes it a really good place to live that there's um there's a lot of people just living their <laughs> living their truth you know what i mean but if you're over people sometimes other people's truth is um is a little bit yeah and also too i mean much the um it's it's always that balance like i've lived uh in smaller towns as an adult and you reach the point in smaller towns as an adult where you're like, Jesus Christ, I would really just like there to be more things to do yeah. around. It's always... That's exactly the, right. The grass is always greener. Yeah. Oh, that's And that's true. Like, it's... Uh, it's uh, I remember, like, people asking me about growing up in Coral, like, you know, they're like, oh, do we, what did you do? Like, you know, sure, it's boring in a small town. And it's... Like, it's it's almost like anywhere you live. It, if it, it'd be boring to visit not knowing where you can do things or what you do but when you live there like that's where your social circle is and so exactly all the stuff you do no matter where you live you do you know you do there as well like it's like you know we we sort of made our own um not made our own fun makes me sound like a like it makes you sound like I'm from the 1920s. Um, makes you sound like you've had sex with cows. That's what it makes you sound like. Ah, uh, well, it's more sheep territory. Uh, <laughs> Did you ever? Heard? He's a. He's Did a. I ever, like, no, I never <laughs> slept with a sheep. Jesus, what have you heard? No, the question I was going to ask is because I never did this, and I've heard heard it being done by good country lads. Did you ever go cow tipping? No, we. Uh, it wasn't massive beef country. Like there were some beef farms but it was one of those things like um just to just so if you if you are a listener at home and you don't know what i mean by cow tipping it's a i've never seen it done i've only heard about it from some uh some of the bogan lads that i've known throughout my uh throughout my life where you just walk into a field and start pushing cows over yeah so what happens with cows um when they sleep they'll sleep standing up they lock their knees Okay, right. So the the idea is you push them over. They they aren't able to to basically adjust and regain their balance. So if you hit them hard enough, you'll knock them over while they're while they're sleeping. Right. Um, couple of issues I find with that is one, um, if you've if you've ever been around beef cattle or um, you know, I don't know, dairy cattle. I, I don't know if it's uh, if it's different. But um, they are massive fucking animals. It would take a fair amount of pushing to get any movement on yeah. one of these things. They'd have to wait close to a ton. And I, it's kind of thing where like they, you don't want to necessarily be running away from one in a dark paddock <laughs> that's full of shit. Let's face it, they don't. Yeah. They don't. Uh, they, they don't shit small, do they? they yeah, don't they don't shit pick small. a corner and just go. I'm going <laughs> to no. go over here. They shit wherever they are. So. Yeah, I, I, it, it's never struck me as a great idea. I'd love to... Um, I, I shouldn't say I'd love to see it done. I, um, I, I wonder... Because the same thing too. I've heard all the stories. But it, it always strikes me as maybe... They're, they're, I always wondered if there, there is a little, it is a little bit apocryphal. Like it's not as, um, not as common or as easy. It doesn't sound like an easy thing to do when you actually lay down the practicality of it. In retrospect... The, the people who I know who used to talk about it were skinny 14-year-old boys, and I don't reckon <laughs> they pushed over a cow. No. I just don't think they had it in them. Yeah, it's... Because it's they're just massive animals. Like, the heads on those big dumb things is just... Yeah, they're gigantic. Mm. So, I don't know, maybe maybe there's some smaller breeds of, like, um, dairy cow or something that it's more common with, but, uh, you know, I, I, I got a lot of sympathy for the dairy... Well, I just wouldn't do it because I don't... If I slept upright, I wouldn't want some jerk of a 14-year-old coming and pushing me over while I was asleep. I just don't... I don't see how that would be fun. I, did, I wouldn't want a jerk of a 14-year-old pushing me... Like, annoying me while I'm in my sleep anyway. Like, yeah. Like, it, it's basically... You're essentially waking someone up. <laughs> um, which is rude. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, we didn't... We See, we didn't get into any of that 
sort of stuff too much. Like I left to I left the real country sort of <coughs> um, area when I was sixteen. So we were like we. I feel like had I had the next two years to finish high school there, I'd probably have some more stories about bad decisions made in open spaces. Yep. But um. Yep. Yeah. You know, I was, I was sort of at the beginning of the bad decision in open spaces sort of a you phase have, of my life. You'd definitely have more stories uh, about things with an engine that you'd fallen off. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And using petrol as an accelerant uh, at a completely inappropriate moment. That seems to be real country. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, you know, why, why light a fire slowly? <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. That sort of thing. But yeah. And that's, like, there, there were those, like, those guys in the, because I didn't live on a farm either. Like, I lived in town you go out to mates' farms and every now and then you'd camp on the farm or whatever. That was when, yeah, you could get up some hijinks. But it was um, it was still, like, yeah, like I said, I was still kind of youngish. Yep. Um, there. I remember going camping with my older brother and some of his mates and there was a little bit of that uh, style of behaviour going on. Like, they'd, ha- they'd have cars and there was some really bad safety decisions made, like, in terms of, well, we've been sitting around the campfire for a bit you know, do you think it's a good idea to um, to uh, start to, um, you know, maybe do donuts yeah. in a wet paddock full of long grass? Did you ever do the old um, Macca's trays under the uh, back tyres in the, f- in the field? No, I didn't. Um, and partly because we had no McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> Proper country. Yeah, there's, there's a McDonald's there now, and it's sort of disappointing. But it was it was that sort of town. Like there, there was no chain fast food at all. Right. There was a couple of fish and chip shops. Uh, there was the top pizza shop, the bottom pizza shop. Did you have um, the uh, the Chinese takeaway? As I've heard your material yes, about. Yes, there was the Chinese takeaway. Um, yeah, there's a Chinese restaurant. At one point, there was two Chinese. Chinese restaurants, but then that Whoa. one competing Chinese restaurants in a country yeah. town. Wow! Yeah, well, see, the thing was, it's a, it's so it's a small town, but it's a, and it sounds weird to say, but it was a bit of a tourist town. Um, no, I can I can understand that. I remember because I used to go out to Wagga to play. Um, they had, I think, state championships for hockey there. Yeah, quite yeah. frequently, um, and my mum and dad used to love it. They used to go do all the touristy business and it was their favourite place to uh, to go for those those carnivals well yeah so you said Coral was um, like so on the border there was one like you get a lot of people up in summer to on water skiing holidays yep because uh, the river is very good for the skiing it was nice wide straight and flat I assume yeah well a lot of bends and stuff but it was it's wide and you were able to like it's as opposed to real open water lake water skiing or something like that, yep. um, where the wind whips up during the middle of the day, it was pretty sheltered. And okay. So you could you could pretty much ski all day, and it was reasonably glassy. Yep. All day. Um, so they'd come up. Uh, there was also um, uh, when I was I forget when it changed, but for when we were first there for the first few years, um, pokies were illegal in Victoria. And not in New South Wales. So, oh, we just so get you get some uh, some border jumpers looking to play the slappers. Yes. So we had like because of that we had these great clubs um, that were just built on Pokemon. We had the largest bowling club in the Southern Hemisphere at one point in terms of number of greens in a town of five and a half thousand people. That seems excessive. Yeah, it was. Um, if you, you ever see Cracker Jack? Yes. You know the Boggera Bowling Club? Yep. The, yeah. Well, that was actually filmed and set in Corowa. That was the Corowa Bowling Club. Right. Yeah. That's uh, since gone broke, and it's now the council chambers. But um, they, uh, yeah. So that was, and so we had a, this beautiful golf course, twenty-seven hole golf course. It was immaculate, a lovely course. One of the what they call the great clubs on the Murray. Now they seem to have all survived on just because, I suppose the the tourism, the golfing tourism, still goes all right. And you can basically play from Mildura down to Albury playing clubs every you know hour or so on the road. Different. Yeah, really that nice sounds tremendously club. boring. I, no. Golf is not my game, oh, mate. mate. Golf is not my game. It's um, yeah. It, it, well, it's and but these these were fun courts. Like it, if you look at it like a holiday, like it that you know a bunch of sort of older guys might go on, and they it's like a an old man's road trip. And um, yeah, a lot of people do it and take the wives. And you can live like you can stay. Coral used to be able to stay on the course. They had a motel there, but then there was a bunch of motels in town and with nice sort of aspects of the river and it'd be quite um 
quite a civilized way to to go. But I remember when we when we first went there, like the uh, the golf club used to have a buffet, an all you can eat buffet one night. That was one night of the week. Now you're that talking my like, language. Well, it was like I think it was like kids ate free, and adults might have been three bucks, but you got two bucks back to play the pokey. <laughs> <laughs> like it was something ridiculous <laughs> like that. And this is so it's late eighties, so everything's a bit cheaper anyway. But that's yeah, still that's insane, ridiculous. I remember more than once leaving there and throwing up because <laughs> I ate too much. The, uh, the old sweets. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, it was it was crazy. <laughs> it was interesting. Was I it? love that you have to say more than once, yeah. as if to say I'm not going to say 45. I'm just going to say more than once. Well, that's the thing. Like you don't um, you don't necessarily learn a lesson the first time. Oh God, like, no! I learnt that eating too much will make you throw up. But at what point was it too much? Like I've obviously kept eating beyond the point. No, no, no. I can understand why that's so a. Um, you want to perfect it. You want to go right to the edge and not jump. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and you can only learn that through trial and error. There's exactly. no other way. Is is it the fifth dessert that's the problem, or is it <laughs> is it the fourth? You know, who knows? So, I you know after yeah. the first time, you know, six is too many. Let's try five. And also yeah. too, there'd be differences in your like custard to ice cream ratio. There'd be yeah. different experimentation oh, yeah, yeah. that had to go on in that. Well, that's and that's the thing. And it's a different menu, different weeks. You just go. <laughs> well, was it the chocolate mousse? It's very rich. Maybe two dollars <laughs> is too much. Yeah. Um, Stay away from the cheesecake. Maybe you can get some more ice cream down. Yeah, well, that's it too. And you you you, you experiment with different uh, different different things. Like maybe if I eat pasta with my main course, you know that lays a solid foundation because it's fairly bland. As uh, someone who uh, has uh, toured with you, you know we've 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 been out and about quite a few times. Yeah. And uh, having watched you eat. This does not surprise me in any way, shape, or form. You can fucking you pack it, mate. It is impressive. I'm a uh, yeah, I'm a large human being. A lot of people miss that about me. Uh, My all-time favourite Andrew uh, Andrew Barnett quote is: um, "Eating has nothing to do with being hungry." That yes. will stick with me for, for a little. That's, right. That's we exactly how I approached life for most of my <laughs> life. I had no idea that they were related things. Is it so? oh, yeah, I can eat. Like when we were, uh, I remember when we were in uh, Adelaide, you uh, been been a bit partial to the old double dinner. <laughs> that's that's my. I think that comes on when I'm drinking much more than otherwise. Yeah, too. right. Like it was just because we were working odd hours then. Because we'd have that real early dinner. Yeah, we'd do a show and then we'd have a couple of beers and do some more flying and stuff. And then, so by the time I walked home. Like it was like it was yeah, time for another dinner. Yeah, I could eat again. <laughs> yeah, um, why not? I treated you to the famous. Uh, I think that was def- famous servo nachos. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that was good actually. I was that was impressive. Yes, servo nachos isn't nachos you buy at the servo either. It's uh, it's nachos you make with ingredients you can buy at the servo. So basically, it's uh, it's just <laughs> just basically corn chips. Uh, salsa and uh, melted cheese, but uh, God geez, it'll, damn it'll it, fill when, you've, a hole. when you've got um, when you've got a gut full of beers, that yeah. was that was good. I enjoyed that. It's vegetarian too, so it's it's you know for the for those of you out there who prefer to stay away from the meat products, uh, get into it. Just good a little point. just a little tip on that. Um, one thing that I've really started doing because I've got a few mates who are slightly righteous in their veganism. Vegans, they're yeah. righteous. Come I know. On. So what I've started doing is I've set myself a new rule now where if I'm speaking to a vegan and we're talking about this issue, I don't I make I try to make sure that they understand the full extent to which I understand what I'm doing. Whereas I, I don't tell them that I eat meat, I tell them that I nourish myself on the suffering of the innocent. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> Just so they really get it into their heads. No, this is not me. Not oh, yeah. knowing the, the consequences of my choices, I completely understand that, yeah. and I'm still having the fucking bacon. This is something I've thought about, yeah, and I'm fully on board with. Yeah, like I'm not, yeah, I'm not a like. There's oh, no naivety in now this. Now my eyes are opened. I'll reconsider. No, my eyes are f- wide open. They've been open the whole time. Yeah, uh, only only less open than my mouth. Has, like, <laughs> dead animals into it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that's a little tip for anyone out there who. Uh, if you are having trouble with a righteous vegan, just make sure that you use the phrase nourish myself on the suffering of the innocent. And I think you'll find that after they've puked into the back of their mouth a little bit, they'll um, they'll probably be a bit of storm. 
It also makes it sound like you might be partial to cooking and eating small children. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It does take it right to the edge, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a. Uh, there's a real. There's no clear line as to where you're going to start. <laughs> All right, so look, we, uh, we've got you uh, growing up down uh, in Riverina, then a bit of time in Newcastle, and uh, down to Sydney about university age. What have you been doing for, like, what, what were you up to in your mid to late 20s? What was going on in, in the world of Mr. Andrew Barnett? Mid to late 20s? I was just working around um, public service jobs and then... Got, I got married in my mid to late twenties, man. I know you were pretty. You f- you fell off the cart pretty early with yeah. the whole marriage thing, didn't I, you? I found the right one and uh, it managed to just go. Yeah, oh, I'm not going to fuck this up. And uh, yeah, so I, I was married. I think I married at like 26, and then um, which I got to say because some people, some people think that like you know you go oh you, yeah I have, and this is 100 percent true. I had a mate. It's like you're really into marriage though, and I was like no. I'm not. I just got married. Like, it doesn't bother me what other people do. And, like, I understand, like, some people, like, getting married at 26, I look and just go, oh, that's a, that's a, that's a rough decision. Like, you know, that's, yeah. you, you can yeah. see. Where there's other times where, like, you know, people younger than that, you're like, yeah, okay, they, you know, they, they know, like, they, you know, it's just sometimes it's, it's right, sometimes it's not. So, yeah. um, that just worked for us. Like, we were, that's how we happened to be. And then, yeah, we ended up, I think, I was 27 when my oldest boy was born, so Oscar was born, so that was... Relatively young, Dad. Yeah, yeah, especially by modern standards. Well, I mean, I guess that's the thing, like, in... uh, And by Sydney standards. Well, if you grew up in... uh, If you you were still living out west in the country, people would have started asking questions about your testicles if you weren't a dad by 22. Like, that's kind of the norm. But when, like, in the inner west, I'm a 32-year-old single man with no children... And to be honest, no one bats an eyelid. Well, that's the thing. Like, I see it now, like, at at school, like, dropping the kids to and from school. The, the age of the parents of the kids um, that uh, the kids that my kids go to school with, like, most of them are, you know, it's, it's a lot of them are having 40ths or are already 40. Yeah. Um, whereas, um, yeah, Nat and I are, a bit, are both a bit younger than that. Like, you know, so... It, it was it was just we didn't actually end up what happened was we we um we were planning on sort of waiting um to have kids and then nat had to have a bit of um had a, had a couple of issues had to have some surgery and the doctors said look this is one of these surgeries that's um you know your best chance to to have kids straight after it and sometimes it can be issues down the line so we always intended on having kids so we just went well okay well now's the time like to do it like there's never a but that was a hard sell for you wasn't it yeah i was like what do i get to do yeah <laughs> i mean it's uh it's like talking to myself like this is what we tried for <laughs> but it was uh yeah so it, yeah i had i had kids pretty young and then you know i was um yeah i was sort of doing a bit of the stay-at-home gear which yep. uh yeah has been fodder for plenty of material and um, yeah, it was. It's good. It's actually really. I was thinking about it. Like one of the the nicest things about um, that was weird. That, yeah. Did you see that kid's the hand? There's a kid's hand. All of, basically all you could see in the back windscreen was a hand, and um, and then had his arm at an awkward angle or something. I don't know what was going on. And then he car. waved at me, which was a bit strange. Oh, well, it's, uh, you got to tell him you. You feast on the nourishment of the innocent. You I nourish, nourish myself on the suffering of the innocent, yeah. my friend. Nah, uh, I don't know. The way he was sitting, I don't know if he was so innocent. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so um, yeah, we had we but it turned out really well because like because doing like I I didn't Oscar Oscar was one when I started doing comedy, but um, as they sort of got older and especially when he just started school, like when I was gigging more, like it was one of those things where. I'd go out to gigs at night, but I'd basically have got to spend the whole day with them. Yep. Um, which is fantastic. Like, you'd get to... I got to, I was lucky. I got to spend more time with my kids as, through that stage than I think a lot of uh, a lot of dads get to, especially. But early, just parents in general nowadays, like, with everyone having to work, um, you know, it's hard to run a household on one income these days. So, 
um, yeah, it, just, it worked out pretty well. And, like, that's one of the things I remember talking to uh, comics a couple of years ago, and they were just like, how do you, like, like how do you out so much? you got wife and kids. And I was like, well, the, the, the joy for me was Nat, Nat works days and look, generally goes to bed pretty early. So I'd basically be leaving almost at the time the kids were going to bed, especially yep. when they were younger, when they were going to bed, I'd be leaving to go do comedy then. She'd sit up for an hour, watch a TV show that I was not interested in and that I'd probably annoy her if I had to, if, you know, we were watching it together, I'd... You'd just be obnoxious. Yeah, exactly. Um, make uh, unwanted comments about uh, how ridiculous the TV show is. And um, and so then, so it was one of those cases where, like, yeah, no one, like, while I was out, there wasn't time I'd be spending with anyone there anyway. Like, they'd all be in bed. So it worked out really well. Um, and I, I got to say, I do love, um, do love the, yeah, comedy and being out and doing that sort of stuff. Because I do have a tendency. I reckon if I didn't do comedy, I'd I'd have a tendency to um, get divorced. No, just not leave the house enough. Right. Like I just, I do like the um. It's, and it happens even now. Like I don't know about you, but so often like I get a gig and I'm just like in the the afternoon or the evening. I'm like, oh man, I wish I didn't have that gig to go to. I just uh, you know because I'm a I, I'm a bit like um. It's a bit. I'm I'm like an embodiment of inertia. Like, if I'm still, I'll just want to keep being still. But yep. if I'm moving, I want to keep moving. So well, it's that transition <laughs> that's difficult for me. I also always find it uh, strange where, like, I'll go on a run where maybe I'll do, you know, nine gigs in nine nights, maybe 10 or 12 sometimes. And mm. I'll get a couple of nights away from having a night off. And I'll be like, man, I'm looking forward to a night off. And then I have a night off. And if I don't have a gig the next night, like two nights in a row, I'm going fucking crazy if I don't get out of the house. Yeah. I, like one night off is as much as I really need. I, I realized that. I was like, oh, I need a weekend off. I need a weekend off. I need a weekend off. And then if you have the weekend off by the Saturday night, you know, I, I you know, go through your go through your phone or whatever, check Instagram. And then there's people posting photos of their gigs. And you're like, man, I'm so lazy. I should be at the gig. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you're yeah. not really so Or you're there going, oh, how did they off. get that gig? <laughs> yeah. How did they? I should be there. I would do a way better job of that gig. Yeah, I um, I, I it's it's it is it's a weird thing we talk about. Yeah, it's it's back to the grass is always greener. If you want, uh, it's good to be busy, but then you know you, you got to make sure you actually do value your time off. Like I was telling you, I I've started now. Like if I've if I know I've got like a Friday night off or a, a Saturday night off, I'll plan to, to do something with the kids and that. Like, I'll, I'll make homemade pizzas and we'll watch a movie or do stuff like that. Where Actually plan something rather yeah. than just make it a normal night at home. Yeah, and just... And so, because I'm not there... Because if I'm not... Seeing, like, if I'm not there that much, like, if I'm having a time where I'm, I'm not getting that many Saturday nights or Friday nights where I just get to kick it with them, then the ones you do you got to sort of make it a special thing and make the most of it and, and I really like I find that I really look forward to that like I'm like just I'm making my own pizza dough I'm like doing all that stuff like making a big deal out of it yep. especially if it's a night where Nat like we had a night um, during the week Nat had something on and um, so it was just me and the boys so we have boys night and we, we um, what do we do what do we I forget what we even ate I, no I made hamburgers and we we watched uh, we watched a movie and I was like this is this is gold. And they, they love it. They're like, yeah, boys night, dad. It's a boys Sick. night. Sick. Like, yeah. Mum's right. out. Let's yeah. get on the cans. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it was... Juice boxes all around. It's well, actually, so this is the thing. That's uh, the youngest one is juice box. The oldest one likes Fanta. Oh, look out. He likes his soft drinks. But the youngest one doesn't like anything fizzy. So just he's just uh, loves a juice box. Um, that's his big treat. Yeah, um, can't give him too many though. It's too much sugar. Holy shit! It's is it uh, um? Is that a true thing? I've never witnessed it. Uh, is yes. the kids in the sugar? Is that a genuine? They go a little bit spare on uh, um, on the sugar. They can. It's it depends. Like it's it's like anything. Like if they're how much they're having and what they're used to. But yeah, it's like yeah, they can. Like if they have a big day on the sugar, you notice it. But it's not good. F- like they they don't feel good either though. Like they, it's like it's like. They really, you do get the the sugar rush and then the crash. Yep. So it's kind of like me with caffeine, I'm guessing. Yeah. Like, I my second coffee for the day, that's when I 
that's when I'm in the sweet spot. Yeah. If I have a, a third one, I'm a jittery mess. I just I can't get anything well, done. And that's why every now and then you just order a hot milk. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was it was really milky. It was <laughs> just with the, just yeah. the faintest taste of something sour. Yeah, yeah, nah, man, that we it might didn't have look w- good. Uh, that's why I ended up just getting. I was went in thinking when we stopped. I thought oh, I'll get a coffee, and as soon as we walked in, I went, "Oh, I'll just have a Coke Zero." I'm, well, uh, speaking of where I'm are we? Caffeine. Have you ever? Have you ever? We're we're just about approaching it here on the. We're on the F three freeway now. Uh, for listeners at home, we're, we're the M one for the uh, nav men playing along at home. Yep, for you know the snobs. Yeah. Um, have you ever had a where on the dual? Uh, the the dual servos have you ever have you ever been to the like crazy Hari Krishna vegetarian place? I have. I How have. it's one of the most bizarre. If you haven't been to it, it's basically like if Scientologists made vegetarian food. It's, yeah. it's got that kind of vibe about it. It's really intense, hey. Every every dish has a mantra. <laughs> it's it, it has yeah, that and they they sell like self help books. Yeah, at the same place where you're just getting like a veggie roll. You're just like yeah, you stop in. Oh, have some vegetarian sushi and uh, and here's some positivity. Yeah, like, or like very strange tips on how to um how to uh how to grow uh, vegetables in small boxes in rooms in your house stuff like that like full on yeah crazy stuff which stands in stark contrast to the cooler bar cafe which is <laughs> next to it where you can get a real trucker's steak sandwich oh mate with egg and bacon and when i uh when i used to live in newcastle and i was gigging a lot in sydney me and the cooler bar cafe we were we were close friends tight Oh, is, it, mate. A, is it not even the Cooler Bar Cafe? Is that the F1 now or the F... It, it was definitely the Cooler Bar at some point in time. Yeah. It's renamed. Basically, and, and it's the same food they're <laughs> selling. It's, I think it's, it's been rebranded. It's just truck stop food. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and, and by the same food, I mean the exact same Chico Roll that's been there six months. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. I always, I always love a, um, I love a, a roadside cafe where the um, the woman who's serving you refers to refers to you as love without a trace yep. of irony. That's love when or dal. Or dal. Yep. What can I get you for you, sweetie? Yep. Yep. Like, All uh, of those. That's that's when you, you you just did everything you need to do. Yep. That's when you know that this is gonna be just don't ask for wholemeal bread. They don't have it. No. It's there's one loaf of bread. That's what you get. Yeah, and uh, if you want to eat healthy, you're getting the roast of the day. <laughs> that's exactly it. That's that's as healthy as it gets, and you're getting baked potatoes that might as well have been deep fried. Oh my goodness, I love those potatoes. I know it's 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 weird because they're like it's like a massive potato gem. They're so good and oh. they're so salty. Yeah, so good. Just my um just to let the uh, viewers uh, viewers I don't think you view a viewers. podcast, do you, listeners? No. We uh, we just saw a dude um, pulled over at the side of the road to have a little urination. Uh, officially, two k's <laughs> from the truck stop. So Either he's an amateur or massive emergency. Yeah, really needed. He to might. Go. Have, who knows, mate? Maybe he's been driving from like Townsville to Sydney, and he's yeah. just been trying to make it. And that was the moment where he cracked. I'm not going to judge. Yeah. Oh no, we've all been there. Um, I mean, too, it's, it's early afternoon, I doubt. So usually you see that sort of behaviour from like a mini bus full of guys on a Bucks trip. <laughs> yeah. They've been, they've been, uh, or a footy trip or something like that. They've just been drinking cans all afternoon. But uh, he, he did, what was that, a hatchback he jumped out of? I didn't have the ring of, uh, the ring of boys weekend. About. No, it really didn't, did it? So, yeah. I, well, I mate, we are, uh, we are approaching um, the... The truck stop. Do you reckon uh, we should be pulling in for for a reasonable coffee before? I reckon we could do that. Just All right, guys. Well, coffee. we might call it a might call it a day on the podcast here. We've been talking for about an hour or so. That's de- decent length. Oh, nice. This is the truck 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 stop to truck stop podcast. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Imagine if you. I'd love to have a podcast where you just recorded every episode in this exact. In between uh, these two truck stops. Yeah. <laughs> it's the exact stretch of highway. Yeah. Yeah. And also, too, you just dropped the person. They had to They had to get their own way home from yeah. from the big rock. It's like, look, I like the, um, I like the podcast, but uh, it's inconvenient, first off, to get myself <laughs> to the twin servos. But uh, 
even harder getting home from the big rock. I know, especially because you'd be carrying so many gollywogs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> By the time you'd load it up. Well, um, look, thanks, uh, thanks very much for being a guest on uh, the Crowdwork podcast, Andrew. You've uh, you've been a fantastic guest. I appreciate it, mate. You've been a fantastic stand-in host. Uh, yeah, thank you. Much better than that regular bloke. He I tell you shit. what, he's um, woof, woof. He's, uh, he'll learn a few things, though, mate. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah. It's all about sp- spreading knowledge. Let's you know? hope so. Let's hope so, mate. It's, it's, uh, it's all a shared skill base. So, uh, But, yeah, thanks very much for, for chatting with me this afternoon. I believe it's uh, your shout on the coffees. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> thanks very much for listening, guys. Um, don't forget to check out... What's your web, website, Barnett? Uh, AndrewBarnettComedy.com And your Twitter handle? Uh, Mr. A. Barnett. Mr. A. Barnett. You can uh, also check out MattyBComedian.com.au or get get at me at, at, at MattyBComic if you want to get at me on Twitter. Uh, thanks very much for listening, guys. Hey, do you want to... You're going to Melbourne soon? Uh, yeah, I'm doing... Uh, well, I'm doing the festival seasons, man. So. Okay, we'll plug all that stuff. Um, if you want to catch me for my Melbourne International Comedy Festival show, it's called A Blunt Instrument. Tickets are available from the uh, Comedy Festival website. I'm on at the Bull and Bear 7.30 in the second two weeks of the festival. And also... Oh, that's oh, inconvenient. All right. Well, we'll call back. Call reje- Oh, that sounded harsh. Call rejected. Ooh. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. You can catch me at Melbourne or Sydney uh, coming up in April and May. Excellent. Well, I'll uh, I'll be in uh, in Sydney in May, but I'll I can plug that another time. <laughs> I went on back to hosting the podcast. I reckon I can uh, probably squeeze a plug in then. All right, beautiful, excellent. Thanks for having me, Maddie. Cheers. Bye.